Puck back to the right wing point. Grizzlick scores. Grizzlick walks in from the right point and wires it in, and the Bruins have a 3-2 lead. It was coming, though, eh? Two shifts in a row for Boston. That is the only five-on-five goal scored in the game tonight. Matt Grizzlick with 2.35 left in the third period. That wins it for the Boston Bruins. 3-2 is the final as the Oilers have dropped four in a row. They fought back from a 2-0 deficit tonight thanks to two power play goals from Leon Dreisaitl. But then Boston responded to get the final tally this evening. Pretty good game of Rogers' place, though. Unfortunately, now the Oilers dropping to 16-9 on the season. Another good goaltending performance by a visitor here into Rogers' place. It is Linus Allmark making 41 saves. He gets the win. Stuart Skinner stops 27 of 30 for the Oilers. He takes the loss to drop to 2-5 and five on the season. An action-packed third period, quite frankly. Uh, I mean, uh, the Bruins had some grade-A looks. The Oilers had some close calls that, that didn't go for them. Zach Hyman with a minute 21 to go. Rob? Had an open net for a <laughs> deflection, and he, he had his stick angled to try to knife it in, and it just went the other way and flubbed back into the slot. He was in a, an awkward position. It uh, He probably would have been better off to stop it and just try to stuff it in the net instead of deflecting it. He was just facing the opposite direction. The puck didn't come the exact uh, angle that he needed it at. It was a great opportunity. He was wide open. There were a ton of chances. It was a fun third, but I think what it illustrates, so Ray, is what we've been talking about. When you're trailing in a game, and you're so a team gets a lead on the Oilers, what they want to do is they want to play their style of game. So they just shut things down. They don't trade chances. There's no odd man breaks. There's nothing. They they clog up the neutral zone. They clog up clog up their own zone, and the only goals that the Oilers scored were the two power play goals. Once the game became tied. Then, it be, then that's when Boston started playing again. That was the best they played the whole night. Then they started trading chances. That's why it got exciting. The Bruins had great chances. Skinner was outstanding at the end. And then the Oilers came back, had their chances. But with the Oilers trailing and falling behind early in hockey games, it allows the opposition to play a low-event, no-event hockey game, and that doesn't play into the Oilers' style of play. Yeah, and again, 13 of the last 16, the Oilers have allowed the first goal. Now... Uh, this first period was a little different. The Oilers took two penalties in the first six minutes and, mm-hmm. and were able to kill them off. Um, then they had two of their own power plays. So to me, Rob, and I'm, I'm curious to see what, what you think, how, how you look at this. To me, this wasn't a first period as lacking in energy as others from the Oilers, but, but they made the big mistake. And then... Marchand, they gave Marchand a chance to make the play, and then credit to him, he made the play. You're right. The Oilers were better, and a big reason was it was uh, the Oilers weren't forcing things. They weren't trying to create things that weren't there, so the opposition wasn't getting uh, grade-A scoring chances until there was a mistake on the on the power play. And the thing that's hard for the Oilers on that one, they won the face-off. Leon Dreisaitl won the, the puck clearly back to the point to Barry, so Normally, when the Oilers get control of the puck on the power play in the offensive zone, good things happen. On that one, a little indecision. Uh, R&H was too high up, so that when the pass was between Barry and R&H, Patrice Bergeron read it, and he could cover two guys at one time. And then Connor McDavid got caught sliding down away from the from the blue line where he was lined up for the faceoff. So when the puck came out, it's a foot race and. There's no contest. Marchand has a head start. Barry's not going to catch him. And, I mean, 
Marchand is one of the best players in the world and has been for a number of years. Big moments, he comes up with big plays and a shorthanded opportunity. He made no mistake. The Oilers' power play, you know, I guess you kind of give it a, a, a mixed review tonight. It does go two for five after going one for 16 in its previous five games. Dreisaitl scores on two sharp angle one-timers, but they gave up the shorthanded goal like we talked about. Boston's power play goes one for three. Jake DeBrusque scored. I thought DeBrusque had a good game, actually. He did have a good game, and that's one of those things that uh, when you, I, I think it was you that asked me before the game, what's like in the dressing room with a player that's asked to be traded? Well, you'd like him to go out and play well and hopefully change his mind and decide he wants to stay. So DeBrusque was very good in in this game, and that was a wonderful goal. I mean, that's that's what if there, if the trade does happen, and, and it looks like it will, that's what has teams drooling, that shot. I mean, that was as good as it gets when it comes to putting the puck in the net on and off his stick, had absolutely no chance Skinner did. Uh, good on DeBrusque. If you want to go somewhere else, make plays like that. Yeah. It, it, it certainly helps with the, the, the general managers around the league saying, all right, you know what, I'm willing to give up a little bit more if he can play that way. Yeah, Oilers lose 3-2 to Boston. Final shots 43-30 in favor of uh, the Oilers. But again, they're having trouble breaking through here. This is a, a four-game losing streak now with just six goals for in that time. So it's it's not just the power play that had dried up a little bit. They're, they're not finding ways to get the puck in into the net regardless. And, and, and I know you just touched on it, Rob, and, and went into it with, with Bob a little bit. But, but, but I mean, it's, it's worth mentioning when you're behind more than one, you know, and it's, if it's later in the second half of the game, that's a lot of energy to, to catch up. And even, you know, that game against the Rangers, you know, yeah, awesome, awesome hockey game. But don't forget, after the Oilers tied at 4-1, the Rangers got the next goal, right? <laughs> and then they had to get the spectacular uh, McDavid goal to, to tie it again before they won it in overtime. So, I mean, it's just, it's... Well, you're, it's you're, becoming exhausting just to watch them falling behind and then trying to catch up. So it must be exhausting to play that well, way, too. They're, they're pushing, pushing the pace, and, and they're having to shorten their bench. And, you know, McDavid and Drysdale are coming at every second shift. Then there's the power play, and they're playing the power play, and they're pushing, and they're pushing, and they're pushing. And it, it's also a, a stressful time because you can't make a mistake. The goalie can't let the next one in. The defenseman, every time the puck's in your own zone, you've got to make sure you get it cleared. There's just that much more stress because you were one mistake away from the game being over. If Boston extended the lead to two goals again, the Oilers were done. So when they finally tied it up, there was this great exhilaration that they did it. But then there was this big sigh on the bench. Okay, we're there, but now the realization of how tired you are and then Boston pushed and Boston had hadn't exerted as much energy because they'd just been playing a very conservative style of hockey for about 35 minutes and then Boston had a couple great opportunities I thought when Skinner made a save on a one-timer by Pasternak yep I thought that's a save that the Oilers need to win this hockey game and they did eventually t come back and tie it but Skinner made a couple big saves and then it doesn't look like as big a mistake as the Marchand breakaway goal, but the game-winning goal, there's a huge breakdown right there because, well, who was it that scored it? Grizzlick scored Grizzlick scored it. Grizzlick's the defenseman, and he got to walk all the way in to just above the hash marks and take a, a slap shot. There's, so whoever the coverage was completely lost him, and he's got a good shot, and he was able to walk all the way in and blast one away. So that was, again, 
another big mistake that was made by the Oilers. The Bruins didn't get a whole lot of great A scoring chances, but they capitalized on three of them. Yeah, 3-2 Boston wins tonight. Just some of the things in the third period, and I, I, I understand what you're saying. When Skinner made that save, you start to think, okay, maybe it's going to go the Oilers' way. 50 seconds into the third period, Taylor Hall has an open look. I don't yep. know if on the replay if McDavid just touched his stick or Hall thought McDavid was going to touch his stick and then didn't. I think he, I think he just fanned. I think or, he whiffed. Or, or he just missed the I puck. think he just whiffed, but or, it was a wide open net. You're right. Uh, and then with 17.30 left, DeBrusque open net. Nima Linen hacks it away. 13.03 was the save on Pasternak. Eight minutes left. Scramble in front of the net. The puck goes to Bergeron, and I'm re- I'm starting to write down the goal, and and he missed. I, I don't think Skinner stopped that one. He shot it wide, and then uh, just over three minutes left, less than a minute before Boston scored, DeBrusque sets up Clifton. Two on one. Two on one. Open net. Yep. So I mean Boston. Uh, had tons of chances in the third. As did Edmonton. Like we said, it was it was a high event period, but all these chances Boston was missing, I'm starting to think like, okay, have they used up their, their lives? You, you're right, and, and you think about it too, is the Oilers had a big edge in shots. None of those were even shots on goal, other than the Pasternak one time. That's a good point. Because there's, there's <laughs> four, four grade-A scoring chances with wide-open nets. They never got put the puck on net. So uh, there were mistakes in, in, in the game both by both teams. Uh, Boston got a, a one save more out of their goaltender and it, a critical time of the game. A shorthanded goal scored by the Boston Bruins was really the difference in this hockey game. It forced the Oilers to have to chase again and eventually it catches up to you when you have to chase time and time again and it has been as of late as the, as the Edmonton Oilers had a great record to start with when trailing early in hockey games but that's fallen off as of late. Yeah, the Oilers are now 7-9 and nine when allowing the first goal. They're 9-0 and oh when they do score first. So, yeah, it, that's, a, that's a huge trend and something we've been talking about. I mean, we were, we, were, we were even talking about the poor starts and allowing the first goal when they were winning most of the time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, so it's, been, it's been lingering for a while. Two goals for the Oilers tonight. That means a $200 donation to 630 Ched Santos Anonymous from James H. Brown and his associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They are given 100 bucks to Santos Anonymous every time the Oilers score this season. 3-2 Boston takes it. Let's go to the Hall of Fame room. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Not different than last time. Lots of shots at net. Uh, not a bad game, but you don't win. When do you yeah. come no, dissatisfied with that? We did enough things to win tonight and didn't win, so we got to continue to pound away at it. You know, it's uh, you can't let the frustration get you. Our power play uh, came back, got us a couple after we give a, give up a, an early shorty. You know, just lots of try around the net, but we got to find a way to capitalize on some chances. Do you, you know, I get it, you're playing McDavid and Dreisaitl, pretty big minutes here, you're trying to get out of this thing. Do you run the risk of wearing them down? Well, I mean, it's each game is different, right? You're, you're chasing the game hard here, and the, it depends on how many power plays are involved in the game. You know, that's where a big portion, like last game, they had nine minutes on the power play. That's what drives the minutes up more than anything, right? So, um, you know, I don't mind where our forward lines are at right now. Uh, but that being said, when you're chasing the game, if they're sitting there rested, probably put them on the ice. Is is there a shelf life to being, you know, not okay with losing, but feeling good about how you're playing in those losses before uh, you? We're, we're not we're not 
feeling good about losing. We expect more than that, right? So there's things that we're doing that are giving us ourselves a chance to win. But uh, when you don't win, you got to go deeper. Like we got to, instead of those, okay, we're just, we got some chances tonight. We had some ozone time. No, what are you actually doing with it? There's some plays that need to get made out there. There's some, some plays that are difference maker plays that aren't getting made right now. And I'm not just talking about the high end guy. I'm talking about all through our lineup. There's a, you know, you get an opportunity for a shot, shoot it wide or shoot it in the net. Right? We need more in the net than wide. How do you get that across? Are you, are you tempted now? You got to pound. Yeah, you just got to keep pounding away at it. You got to, I mean, there's, there's parts of our game that are in place how we want to play, but you got to give it a little more. There's a little more second effort there. There's a little more finish there. There's, there's parts of it that you got to find a way to win. And, I mean, part going uh, back on what you said, like a lot of that is, is five on five production. It's kind of a dead horse that you're, you're not getting the even strength goals that you need. We're not, we're not getting, right now, I feel like we're not getting rewarded for some of the work we're doing. So it's too easy just to complain about it. You got to go, you got to go back to work and, and push it a little harder to see if it comes. You know, there's, there's lots of work there. It's just, it's getting the results from your work that matter. And that's, uh, that's what we'll keep pounding away on. Dave, was this more like the Warren Fogle we saw coming into the season, his game tonight? He played a very good game, lots of chances. Yeah, he's, he's around it. He's hard. Like that, but he's like a lot of other guys. And it's, it's okay, we're skating hard, we're playing hard, we're shooting hard, but at some point you've got to shoot it in the net, right? Or capitalize. But they, that line was pretty good. They had lots of, lots of zone time. All the things that we've been talking about all year to try to give ourselves a chance to win these tight games... And then you get an ugly goal, and the ugly is not coming yet. Could you see that goal coming from the Bruins there? They had two strong shifts on you in your end. Should have, uh, they should have capitalized on a chance. We got our back check wasn't. Cass missed a guy on the back check. The guy had wide open net on the far side. Is, so now you get down. You think you get settled down. You get it stopped. And then Bush gets beat out of the corner, just a one-on-one out of the corner. And, and your Lair's... He loses his man. The next guy's got to take a run at him. Next guy, and at least one guy open, and that's what happens. How serious does the Chris Russell injury look? I haven't. Uh, I talked to him between periods there. It didn't look very good, but I haven't got a full update on it yet. So he uh, he could. I I got a feeling he might miss some time. Yeah, it didn't look good there for Chris Russell. That's uh, another story, unfortunately. Yet another injury to an Oilers defenseman just as Nurse and CeCe come back over the last few days. Yeah, it didn't look good for Chris Russell going off early in the third period. So we'll await a further update on that here as we move along. Congratulations to Jillian as she gets a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. River Cree, excitement, bet on it. I set the line. At two and a half before the game, total power play goals in the game. There were three, Rob. My mm-hmm. goodness. Got to go over. Always go over. Always, uh, always uh, go over. Always go over. All right. Uh, tell you what, we're going to go to the phone lines in a second. I just want to uh, refer to something I said a couple of days ago if people were listening. Somebody called in and was unhappy about the refs. And I said, I'm kind of tired about, I'm kind of tired talking about the refs. And then at the end of that, I said, grow up. That wasn't a good thing to say. You have to remember something. Sometimes I'm about as graceful as Homer Simpson trying to eat a lava cake in the shower. 
I'd like some lava cake right now, actually. So on the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. <laughs> now we're now we're all hungry. I am really. Uh, the hotline presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty, pro all the way. Uh, I will stand by that, though, that I personally am not going to talk much about the refs because I like talking about other things, and I don't just want to talk about that one topic. The callers can bring up whatever they want. Sound fair? Yeah. I agree with everything you just said. I mean, if it becomes excessive, we may say, okay, we might not answer the question, but you can ask anything. Yeah. And I don't think that's why the Oilers lost this game, quite frankly, though there were some curious calls. Yes, there were. Both ways. Oh, I just talked about them. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Boston wins 3-2. We'll take a quick timeout. Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. up the right wing, give it to Halla in the high slot in the middle, he'll shoot it, blocked by Fogel. Halla gets it back, his backhand save made by Skinner and the rebound just got away from DeBrusque. Alright, that is Stuart Skinner's save of the game, courtesy Reface Magic, transform your kitchen with ease, see the magic at refacemagic.ca, Skinner stops 27, he needed to just stop one more as uh, Allmark makes 41 stops at the other end of the rink and Boston wins 3-2 here in Edmonton, we got a bit of a drought going on here with the Japanese Village goal light. We only turn it on when the Oilers score five or more in a game. When that happens, go to 630shed.com. Print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak. Cook before your eyes. Reserve now. JVEdmonton.ca We got cake. We got steak. I'm stopping it. We're, I'm we're, stopping on the way gotta, home. Pick some fast food up. I'm can we get now. some? Can we order? What do they call that? Skip the Uber? Yeah, something like that. I've got it. I got it. They bring it up to the press box. We have to buzz them in. We have to buzz them in from up here. We're in a secure area. (laughs) All right, let's go to Marco on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Marco. Hey, how's it going, guys? Sounds like you guys might have to stop for a three-dollar McDonald's Big Mac on the way home. It's yeah. Or okay. Or you can stop for a beer at Seven Eleven now. That's also not one, isn't it? Oh, I could find it. (laughs) You can make do, right? Awesome. Sorry, just a quick question about Dylan Holloway. I'm just wondering if you guys have any update when he's coming back and maybe uh, where you could see him fitting in the lineup. Okay, well, geez, I haven't, uh, there hasn't been much on him lately. I think he's skating, but not practicing. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Uh, so then he would have to go through some practices, get cleared. He'd go to Bakersfield. I, I don't think you would see him before the Olympics It'd if be you see him at all. Yeah. It'd be after the Olympics. He's got to play some in the minors. He's been gone for well, probably be a full calendar year. When it, when he had the first surgery was right at the end of his college season, wasn't it? And then had surgery again. Yeah, he had two surgeries because the last one was uh, in August. Yeah. So it, I, if if you see him at all, it would be after the Olympic break. Okay. But I'm looking forward to seeing him. And there, yeah, there's there's always an opportunity to fill in to, to fit in somewhere with the the type of talent he has and the speed he has. Uh, I think he'd be a welcome addition eventually for the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, thanks, Marco. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I know there's fans excited about him. It's. I, I think you're right. Probably after the Olympics in the NHL, if at all, that you want him to play in Bakersfield. He's he's an enticing prospect. I, I had I talked to Brian Wild uh, from Global Montreal on uh, my show a couple of weeks ago when they made their big changes, 
and he said he would watch a, a lot of Wisconsin games to see Caulfield. And he said a lot of nights Holloway was just as good or better than Caulfield. So that's yep. exciting. But but again, it's the old thing. I don't. I wouldn't want to. If and when he does play, I wouldn't want to put too much on. Like, well, here's the young <laughs> player that's going to save the season either. You know. Yeah, he hasn't played in a year, so now we're just going to jump in. We need you really badly on our second line. So go do it. No, he'll play in the minors and learn the professional game. And at some point. Whether it's this year or next year, you'll see him in an Edmonton Oilers jersey, and hopefully things will work out the way that they expect them to. Yeah, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers fall three two to Boston. We have Tony standing by as well. Good evening, Tony. How's it going, boys? Not bad. Um, I got a few points here. I actually had to write them down, so I would not forget them. Uh oh. Well, I'm getting tired of reading stuff on social media about Tippett being fired because we're not winning Barry being needing to be traded because he's not producing it the way he's at the way that he's been trying that you know um i, I got one, suge- I got one, yeah. one <laughs> suggestion for you here it is don't go on social media seriously <laughs> seriously just yeah. don't go on it because people because write things been, just just to write things don't because i i'm you know everybody wants Barry traded because you know of what what's been going on with him like, yes, I'll admit, he's not producing it the way he did last year, but I find that we're passing way too much on the power play, that we're looking for one specific specific thing, and we're not getting that. And when that doesn't go through, we're kind of stymied on it. Um, I want to know an update on Keith. And do you think that the major a major reason why we haven't been scoring a lot is because our defensemen has been, have been down? Like our veteran defensemen have been down, and I'm not saying these rookies aren't doing good, but it's kind of telling it like it's kind of exploiting a weakness. Um, well, the, oh, the update on Keith was he's not, it doesn't sound like he's overly close. Um, so we're still waiting there. And as for the offense, no, I, I the Oilers had 40 some shots tonight, and what was it, 40 the other night? Uh, th- that has nothing to do whether Keith or Cuckoo's in the lineup. The others are just snake bitten right now. They've run into two uh, really good goaltenders in their last few games. Uh, I-, I talked to a buddy of mine that play that's with the Bruins. He said that's the best game Elmark Elmark has played all season long as a Boston Bruin. He was very good. Uh, I mean, the team is better when they're fully healthy, but. The, the lack of scoring as of the last few games, I don't think that's on the fact that the Oilers are missing a couple defensemen. I mean, the Oilers went 4-2 and two without Nurse. So, I mean, you're capable of winning hockey games and scoring goals with these young players they have up. Uh, they're just snake bitten. And eventually there's going to be an explosion where Connor or Leon are going to have a big night. And that's always a, a fear as a team coming in. You always look to see how the superstars did the game before. And you're always like, oh, no, they struggle. Or it was a, it was a tough night for them because you know they're going to have one of those breakout nights. And I think that's what Carolina's going to have going through their heads as they come through, come here on Saturday night. They don't want to be the team that the two superstars have the big nights against. Yeah, and the Hurricanes won tonight 2-1 in overtime in Calgary against the Flames. As we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to Edmonton Trailer. Dot com. So the Oilers have now lost four in a row. The Flames 0-2-1 in their last three. So both Alberta teams cooling off 
a bit here. The Jets lead Seattle 2-0 with 5 minutes and 20 seconds left in the third. Start of the third, L.A. up 1-0 on Dallas Kempe, who got a couple here the other night, has his 11th of the season. Early in the third, the Wild lead the Sharks. Three zip, the Lightning knocked off the Maple Leafs 5-3. Ducks beat the Blue Jackets 2-1 in a shootout. And the Blackhawks blank Montreal. Was there a goal or up? 3-0 on Winnipeg, thank you. And the Blackhawks blank Montreal 3-0. Mark andre Fleury, career win 500, third goalie ever to do that. Pretty cool. That is very cool. I mean, I don't know if there's anyone out there that can't love Fleury as a goaltender. I mean, nobody enjoys the game as much as he does. Good on him for that accomplishment. And as you said on the pregame show, will he be wearing a Chicago Blackhawk jersey after the trade deadline, or will he be going to a contender looking for that one last piece to put the difference between them and the teams that they're chasing? And uh, don't look now with Anaheim. They're uh, a point behind Calgary for first in the division and three points ahead of the Oilers. Now, with, with the games played mm-hmm. and the points percentage, it's actually Calgary 1, Edmonton 2, Anaheim 3, but they, uh, they're they not going away. They're, they're not, and good on Dallas Akins and has them playing. I, I mean, it's still a long ways to the finish line, but that is a team that I would have... I would have had near the bottom of the division, if not the conference, at the start of the season. But they've got them playing well, playing a style of hockey that can win hockey games. Okay, let's go back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Frank standing by. Frank, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, just uh, two points. First thing I would say with uh, Dylan Holloway, I think, uh, you know, we expect a little too much that this young gentleman will jump in and, uh, you know, be part of the uh, Oilers for this year. I think... I, I think, you know, with the injury and, and his age and really not having played an NHL game, he's, I think he's kind of like a next-year guy. And uh, I think, you know, we should have learned with Paul Yarvey already how we treated him to be expecting the same things from a Dylan Holloway. Yeah, really good comment. Yeah, and yeah, the second thing is, is I would say I went to the game tonight and it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Even with the games we win, when we blow coverage, we blow it big time. Like that last goal, there was nobody within, you know, 10 feet of that defenseman, um, who, and he was able to walk right in. And I really think that as a hockey club, they need to really tighten it up. And secondary, we really do need a goalie. Uh, Stuart Skinner is a good young man, uh, is learning the game, and he, he and Koskinen has probably played over his head, but when you look at teams like Calgary who are playing a system from one line to four lines and they don't really have those big superstars and then that goaltender, that's what we're missing. Yeah, a really good call, Frank. I think that, like we said earlier, uh, you know, two ways to win. One, make more plays. Two, make fewer mistakes. And, uh, you know, both teams made plays tonight but probably the Oilers made the bigger mistakes I think with the goaltending and you've said it a lot Rob I I think until Smith comes back and they see how they how he plays Mm -hmm. then then maybe they would see if they feel like they need to make a move yeah I agree and this is what we've been talking about for a while their their starter has only played two games this season and until they see if he's going to be healthy for a long stretch and take them into the playoffs and the playoff stretch before they make any decisions on goaltending. They want to see what Smith's capable of doing. Coming into the season, they felt he was good enough to lead them to uh, where they want to be, so they're going to give him every opportunity. All right, Oilers lose 3-2 to Boston. We got Jamie and David next on the Certainty Hotline. You're also going to hear from McDavid and Dreisaitl. Boston takes it 3-2. It's Heartland Ford overtime open line. 
to the blue line for Barry. Left side to McDavid, to Barry. Right wing, Dreisaitl, scores! Leon Dreisaitl with a one-timer off the right side. It's a power play goal, and the Oilers have cut the Bruin lead to 2-1. to one. Dreisaitl would score another power play goal later. He now has 23 goals on the season. The Oilers go two for five with the man advantage, though they allow a shorthanded goal. Boston got a power play strike from Jake DeBrusque. They were one for three with the power play. The power play update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with locations in St. Paul, Westlock, and Vegreville. Check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown in Rogers Place. Boston wins 3-2. We have Jamie standing by. Good evening, Jamie. Guys, um, for me, like, what's bothering me is, like, okay, we know there's a problem with the way the Oilers are starting lately. It's been a problem, and it was, again, tonight, a problem. Let's change something, like, that we're doing. Let's change something up. Why don't we try, play the first 10 minutes of the game, tell your guys, no penalty calls, Play it clean, play it hard, play it conservative, okay? Because in the last, this whole streak to start, we're being too offensive at the start of the game when we're getting counterattacked. Why not just let the, roll the lines, let your players get into the game. I know it's not dangerous, but it seems like when games start, we're trying to get calls and we're bitching about this and that and we're, and it's all about the power play and penalty kill. I thought they came out and, and played well in the first period. They played a conservative game. They they didn't trade chances. They didn't give up any grade-A scoring chances. They got the first power play. Or, sure, they got the power play. Look, it was their power play that let them down with a shorthanded goal. They, they got the kills that they wanted at the beginning. They had a short five-on-three against. This was a better start for the Edmontoners. In all honesty, this was a better game for the Oilers. They, they played well. And and I'll go back to what Bob and I were talking about earlier when right after the game. There were games early when the Oilers were 9-1 and one or when they got off to their great start where they were 12-3 and three or whatever they were at. There was games in that stretch that they did not deserve to win. They won because they had a great power play and they won because their goaltender stole them a game. Tonight was the opposite. Tonight was a game that they deserved a better fate. They were the better team throughout the game, but the Boston Bruins had the better goaltender in tonight's game. Yeah, Allmark really good. 41 saves. We have David as well. David, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead, my man. Hey, boys. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, Brownie, I'm an, I'm an alumni of your camp participant there. So oh, I was wondering... And you uh, must have been a fantastic young hockey player. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. You're a great coach, by the way. I had a great time. <laughs> thanks. So uh, I was just kind of wondering what your boys' thoughts were on our inability to score even strength here during this homestand. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um... I, I think one of the things you don't see enough of are second and third opportunities. I think the Oilers had a, a number of chances, but there were a lot were on the perimeter, a lot of one shot and done. Uh, you don't see where they're banging away, and it's like the second or third or fourth rebound goes in. I thought Pugliarvi did a very good job tonight of creating uh, havoc in front of the net. He had two great tips. Uh, one, I remember Nurse was the one that shot. I can't remember the other one. Uh, both were good saves by Ulnerk. But I, I think that for the Oilers and any team, when, when you're struggling, struggling offensively, you want to score an ugly goal. And to score an ugly goal is a, a rebound. It's a uh, tip. It is a, uh, you know, a smash up in the crease where everyone's laying there and you just somehow, the puck bounces loose and you get it. The Oilers aren't getting an, enough of those type of goals. In five-on-five, five, that's how you score. Power play, you score pretty ones. 
but when you're playing five on five, especially against teams now that aren't trading chances with you, the teams now are making, they're forcing you to score an ugly goal because they're not going to give you the three on two, the two on one. So I think the others need to score more ugly five on five goals. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But here's kind of, I guess, what I'm thinking here. So I think we're in year seven of McDavid now. And I, to me, we have two of the top three players in the NHL. And not scoring an even strength goal, like I said, I think that's pretty concerning. And I recall back to a couple of years ago when Gerard Gallant got canned from Vegas there. And he had some playoff success. He took them to the cup there. He took them pretty far. Dave Tippett has only taken us to the first round of the playoffs. And we're, we've only won one game under his reign. Do you boys think uh, a coaching change could be a little beneficial for us? I don't think that. I think Tippett's in the last year of his contract. And I think that then he'll be evaluated. Yeah, I, I Nothing honestly, will happen unless before that. they lose... 10 in a row or there's some disaster I, I i'd be really surprised if there was a, a mid-season change personally yeah i i agree i i think that uh the players like dave tippett the gm likes dave tippett um i mean despite the four game losing streak they've got a very good record to start the season but this team and i said at the beginning of the year this team is to me going to be a consistent playoff team in, for the next number of years their success will be strictly evaluated on how they do in the playoffs. I think it, whether they win a division or a conference in the regular season will not matter at all if they don't start going further and further in the playoffs. So their evaluation of the team and Dave Tippett this year will be based on how far they go in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, the goal is to become, well, to have playoff, playoff success. It's like I said with Bob before the game. If you look at Boston... Um, from well, 2011, probably a couple years before that. But once once they once Boston won the cup, every year going into the playoffs, somebody's thinking though they could do it again because they've done it. And then it doesn't matter if they were first overall, fourth overall, or twelfth yep. overall. If if they're in, I mean Pittsburgh. Once they won their first one, then they have that reputation. Okay, nobody cares about the overall standing once the playoffs start. They're they're a dangerous. Team. Well, another great example about that is Calgary just played against Vegas a couple of days ago, and Sutter and I think one of the players both talked about the fact that Vegas is the best team in the Pacific Division, even though they're further down in the standings. But because they've had success in the playoffs, where they've gone to the finals, they've gone they've gone to the final four two or three times. Teams know that if you want to go anywhere in the playoffs, no matter where they are in the standings, you're going to have to go through Vegas. And that's what is with Boston, with it's Pittsburgh, uh, Washington. You know that you've got to go through those teams because they have a track record in the playoffs. Yep. And the Oilers don't have that track record. Yep. The Oilers are going to have to go through a Vegas if they want to move on in the playoffs, and that's where they're going to be uh, evaluated with come uh, May, June, July, whenever it is. Okay, Oilers lose 3-2 to Boston. Uh, before we get more of your calls, let's head back down to the Hall of Fame room. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh I guess Leon first. Uh, they say that as a team is nearing the end of a slump, you start losing games that you should have won. Is, is that what you're seeing a little bit here? And is that a bit of a consolation after four in a row? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the last two games... Um, probably could have went either way uh, I thought tonight we were the better team um, but you know that's that's the NHL so we've won games too where uh, we, we, we got outplayed so um, just got to find a way to keep that last one out of the net and then you know take it into overtime give, give ourselves a chance at some point what needs to be different to to push you over that top I mean 
people will put point to <clears throat> five on five. You know, if you got a five on five goal tonight, that would have been enough. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> probably a five on five goal. Yeah, uh, I mean, um, I thought our power play uh, was was all right, um, but. Yeah, if we if we get this into overtime, we give ourselves a chance uh, at least at a point, um, and you know that's that's a big step when when you lost three in a row. So, um, yeah, that's that's the way it goes. Though when when you're slumping, you know you find a way to lose these these kind of games. So we just got to find a way to get get out of it. Connor, what would you point to at five on five? Uh, your team is just struggling with production at five on five. What would you point to? Yeah, honestly, I liked uh, like lots of our five on five game tonight. I thought. Uh, you know, generated some chances. Obviously, we get we gave up a couple. Couldn't find a way to get one, but you know, I thought we carried the play a lot of the night on five on five. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, sometimes it goes in, sometimes it's not. Um, you know, I think uh, if we continue to do the right things like we are, um, it's going to start to go. Do you do you, it is the classic slump. Every goalie that comes in here looks like a you know Vesna winner. Uh, you're getting lots of shots. You know, this team. You guys don't usually you know lead the league in shots volume you get lots of shots right now and nothing's going in or not enough's going in is that you know is it skill or luck or some combination of both i would say it's some combination of both um you know sometimes you get a lucky one sometimes you get a real nice one um you know and everything in between so um you know obviously we need to find a way to produce a five on five um again um so just keep painting the right picture doing the right things getting pucks to the net um, you know, bringing bodies to the net and kind of banging an ugly one. Um, when you're slumping, you just got to find a way to uh, to get it done. You got to find a way to get a win any way you can, and um, and go from there. Is uh, you guys have done a pretty good job of staying even keel throughout the the highs and the lows. Is that harder to do now, or where are you guys at mentally after four? No, I think uh, you know. Obviously, we want to stay even keel. Um, not get ahead of ourselves when things were good and not get too down on ourselves when, when we're going through something like this. Um, you know, it's obviously a long year and um, these things happen and, um, you know, but we want to get out of it. You know, that sense of urgency needs to go up and we've got to find a way to get a win here. Connor McDavid, two assists tonight. Leon Dreisaitl, two goals. Tyson Berry also had two assists. Everything on the power play for Edmonton. They lose 3-2 to Boston. Boston had one even strength goal, one shorthanded goal and one power play goal tonight yeah i mean that's it's i mean that's been a ongoing concern with the team is five on five scoring combined with scoring by players not named mcdavid or dry um you know they have a little bit more of that this year with with hyman and, and pulley um but yeah now the an encouraging you know you got to score like Tippett said it's who is it? Uh, somebody used to say it's it's not a try league. It's a re, it's a it's a do league, but it, the, but you notice the third line more. And, and I thought Fogle led the way with those guys. Tonight. Well, y- y- some nights you do. Tonight you certainly did. Yeah. The third line was very very good in tonight's game, and that uh, I think one of the reporters, I'm not sure which one, asked Tippett, "Is this the Fogle that y- you come to expect?" And and yes, this is what. When I watched him play before with Carolina, this is what you saw on a nightly basis. Um, sometimes it takes a while to fit in with a new team, new line mates, uh, different role. Uh, but he was excellent, uh, just driving the net, putting pucks on net. Uh, it was a couple fantastic saves that were made by Ulmark that, that kept the puck out of the net. Uh, so that line was very good. But you still, there there is a concern, five on five, for the Edmonton Oilers. You know, you've got the two leading scorers in the National Hockey League playing uh, tonight, and th- they're not creating, oh no, excuse me, 
they're not executing enough five on five they're not putting the pucks in the net enough five on five and it and i go back again i think nugent hopkins has had a fantastic year specialty teams wise i think kyler yamamoto uh, has been better as of late but combined they've got yeah yamamoto's got six points on the season and he's played primarily with one of the top two scores in the league every game and rnh on the other side's got two goals and he's playing almost the entire season with Leon Dreisaitl. So uh, that, that is a bit of a concern. There's got to be something they got to change there. And, and it's funny, we just had the one caller ask what they have to do five on five, and then Connor McDavid just said what you and I were talking about. you got to start scoring ugly goals. And I don't think the others get enough of that five on five. They score the pretty ones on the power play. Mm-hmm. No one's prettier when, it, when they start moving the puck around. But five on five, this is regular season, and everyone here in Edmonton knows when the playoffs start, it's even harder to score goals five on five. So if you're struggling to do it right now, you know that the, once the adrenaline and, and, and the, the toughness of a playoff series starts to heat up, it gets even harder. So you got to do all the right things now so that you can carry that over whenever you get into the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. All right, 3-2, Boston takes it. We got Chuck and Addis coming up on the Certainty Hotline. Quick timeout, Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Just updating here, the Jets did finish off a 3-0 win in Seattle. Connor Hellebuck, 23 saves for the shutout in that game. Here at Rogers Place, it's a four-game losing streak for the Oilers, and they are 0-3 halfway through a six-game homestand with an excellent team coming up on Saturday. Boston wins 3-2 tonight. Late game winner, 235 left from Matt Grizzlick. And I'm glad other people taught me how to pronounce that because I wouldn't have got it right just uh, when he joined the league a few years ago on my own. Yeah, there's uh, there's missing some vowels in his name. His last name, he needs a few more vowels. He needs to go on Wheel of Fortune. All right, we have Chuck calling in tonight. Good evening, Chuck. Yeah, good evening, guys. Yeah, what, what I've noticed a few times this year is when we get behind uh, and we're carrying the play like we did tonight, we all played them. We all played the game the other night. But when we get tired in there and they, get a, they just get a break and they're gone and uh, the forwards don't get back to help that young defense and we're in trouble, you know? Yep. And that happened a couple of times in the third period tonight and uh, the goaltender bailed him out a couple of times. But that winning goal, that guy should never even got the puck to shoot. You're you know? right. Dave Tippett, made he talked about that after the game. He said there was a combination of errors where first it started with Bouchard gets beat out of the corner, then someone has to leave their man to go help Bouchard, then someone else moves and eventually it ends up on a Boston Bruins stick uh, and he's able to walk in from the blue line and shoot from about 20 feet out. Uh, those are the big mistakes that the others have got to get out of their game. And you're right, there's a couple of times where forwards, uh, the two-on-one that Dave Tippett talked about, Cassian lost his man. That should have been a goal. Uh, that was a wonderful pass by DeBrusque, back door, and the Bruin missed the open net. But those are mistakes you can't make in, in close games. Those are the ones that come back and bite you, and unfortunately for the Oilers, it bit them tonight. Yeah, and, and when you're pressing, and, and again, to go back to our old theme of, of, of falling behind, the further behind you are, the longer you're behind, the more you're pressing, and then you're vulnerable. And we've seen the Oilers score plenty of goals off counterattacks yeah. this year, and then and now tonight they were the team vulnerable to that. Again, because once you're behind more than one, then, then you really have to change. Well, you, you know, yep. one nothing. I think you can still be kind of patient. Okay, don't panic. But then, okay, Boston goes up 2 nothing, hits the halfway point of the game. It's still nothing. Getting later in the second period, still 2 nothing. 
Well, then you, you look at, at the Oilers when they're nine and zero when they score first, because once they score, the other teams have to open it up a little bit. They can't just sit there and wait and, and, and clog things up. And when they open it up a little bit, then the Oilers can counter strike and they can get that. Uh, that next goal they can extend a lead and it what happens too when you fall behind there's everyone on the Oilers has a role and there's certain players that don't play much when they fall behind and when they fall behind now all of a sudden you're taking out a line and a half so you're you're overextending the play of your your star players and then there's a whole group of players that aren't getting on the ice so whenever you do eventually tie the game there's a uh, your, your your bench isn't the same. You can't just continue to roll lines at that point because there's a certain group that are no longer mentally or physically into the game, and and then it gets tougher. Where the opposition, they're just continuing to roll their lines, and that's where the Boston Bruins over the last seven minutes they look like they had more jump once the Edmonton Oilers tied it up. All right, we also have Addis on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, Addis, go ahead. Hey guys, how are you doing? Good man. Hey, good. Okay, so I haven't called in for a year and a half, so it's an honor to be oh, on wow. the air with you guys again. Hope you're well. Um, <laughs> so Tuesday night I was coming home from sledge hockey practice, and uh, I heard you guys talking about Jujar Kara. Oh. So that really scared the heck out of me. That guy, that young kid is a really good hockey player. Yeah. So do you have, do you guys have any updates on him, and is he doing okay and he's, stuff? He's out of the hospital. Uh, no update on when he'll be able to, to play again. Okay, and I also want your opinion on young uh, Stuart Skinner. This kid is going to be a goalie, and he's going to be a star, and I hope he's going to be a star with the Oilers because every time he's in there, he's giving the team a chance to win. I just feel bad for him that he's not getting a lot of wins. What are your guys' comments on him? Well, I think he's played well, the the opportunities that he's had. I think uh, there was no expectation for him this year. The hope was that... Smith and Koskin would be healthy all season long, uh, and Skinner would play, you know, two thirds of the games in the, in the minors and continue to to work on his game to eventually push for a spot up here next year. But with injuries, Skinner's had to come up and play, and he's played well. I, I do believe he has a, a bright future for the Edmonton Oilers. I I believe he will be here next year uh, as a backup, pushing for time. But the things that we've seen from Stuart Skinner have all been positive. So, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, the Oilers are very ecstatic uh, of where Stuart Skinner is today with his game. Yeah, for sure. And I had one more thing before I let you guys go. Yep. Is there a way to pull up the month of December? Because I guarantee you the Oilers in the last two or three years, I could be wrong, have stunk it up before Christmas. Is there a way for you guys to to pull up that stat? Yeah, I can quickly check now. But if you go to the Oilers page on Hockey Reference, you can look at each individual season. And then you can go under, uh, it might be called splits or something like that. But there's, there's ways to look up. And, and then if you scroll down, it has the record by a month they for were, each right. year. They were undefeated last year yes, in December. Yes, as, as was everybody in the yep. NHL. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's we got rid of the month of December, and the others will be good. Have a good night, guys. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Well, I, I just want to check. They had the really, really bad year uh, well, a couple years back, is the December where uh, R&H, Yamamoto, and Drysettle were eventually put together because of the December they had. And I, was that three seasons ago? Well, that was in 2019-2020. Yeah, that, that was a bad December. I, I want to look that. I at least want to look that one up now because, yeah, that, the, that was at the end of the month. 
Yamel came up and they had that crazy game against the Rangers, which they've, I guess, now had a few of. Oh, now all of a sudden, see when the pressure's on, I can't, I can't find it. Um, might be here, head-to-head results. Nope. Well, anyway, the hockey, the hockey ref, uh, hockey-reference.com is a really good site. Probably a lot of people have uh, seen that already, but it is a good one. You need a teenager in here to do this quicker for you. Well, I know. I yeah, I know. It's sad. <laughs> I'm just sad. Yeah, but when you make it big with your casino in your basement, all will be well. Well, then I'll have people looking up stats for me. <laughs> Won't have to do it myself. Oh, Kellen's fired up the Brian Hall band. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Okay, well, fourth loss in a row for the Oilers. They come back, but then Boston gets a late one to win it. 3-2 Bruins is the final. Get more on this game on 630chet.com or globalnews.ca. Bob Stoffer has orders now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Our next game broadcast is Saturday. The Carolina Hurricanes coming into town. 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30 Chet, and the game will start at 8. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer in Rogers Place. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer back at 6.30 Chet. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.